0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our liberties to the one and only CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house, excited as always for another terrific week of broadcast here, Monday, June 28th the anniversary of James Madison's death, and with that, the death of our republic, although our republic lasted for about another hmm, 170 years after that. But now we are a fascist republic where it appears today we'll talk a little bit about the transferring of the fascism from the mask, although it's not completely over, but from the mask to the injections, the bio-warfare injections in our bodies. You got Make-A-Wish Foundation telling sick young kids that if you didn't get the jab, you didn't get the injection, don't call us for Make-A-Wish. You got um, this Emory & Henry College at in Virginia making all people who have the vaccines wear a lanyard, walk around with it. Just don't call it a yellow star. Then Republicans will get very sad and condemn that. Um, But as long as it's another symbol, then that's totally okay. Um, And Republicans don't care. And and, and this is the issue. How many Republicans are pushing back? Just now, Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, is starting to to do that. And he's, he's really kept him more of an open mind from the very beginning. He was one of the first to have Scott Atlas Uh, At his committee, he's held some good hearings, so kudos to him. But how many of these governors know instead they're pushing and pushing? The Arkansas governor saying people better get vaccinated. So we have a lot of this fascism going on that we're going to get to. We're going to talk about what to do as we head into July 4th, how to celebrate it properly this year. Thankfully, it's a weekend, so hopefully we'll have several days to celebrate so... We need to work harder this year to outshine that crappy, contrived holiday that was created, uh, you know, last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, that every Republican uh, jumped on board with. And as always, we have some of our other beats. We're working on crime. We're working on this story of black nationalist militias in this country that are a security threat that... Instead of focusing on them, the authorities are projecting it somehow on right wing and whites on this black nationalist was arrested for shooting uh, a Daytona Beach police officer in the head. Uh, There is good news. It does appear the officer actually might survive, Um, which, again, you know, in, in this case is a good thing. It's not a gangbanger. But when you have a lot of these people shot in the head, you'd be shocked at how many people nowadays are able to survive that which is why the murder rate is not what it used to be, even when the level of violence and shootings are just as high, if not higher. So we have a lot of that going on. Just some housekeeping things first off. Um, Friday's show, we're having technical problems. Not the, the show is great. Dr. Mobin Syed, we had terrific stuff on the state of healthcare and doctors. He's a medical educator. We talked about vaccines. We talked about ivermectin. Um, That's episode 902. It hasn't been posted to iTunes. There's a problem with that. Hopefully, this is not a censorship issue. We've had a couple of these issues. Um, I think it's still technical. But I just want you guys to know, if you do listen through iTunes as opposed to one of the other, like Google or Stitcher, uh, and and you don't see it one day, just go to the Blaze podcast. And it will always be there. Um, Never miss a show. Always send to your friends and relatives. And do give us a five-star rating at iTunes when you get a chance. Um so I just want to make sure you guys knew about that. Um and today I'm telling you folks, if you like to drink once in a while, not get drunk, but drink a cup of wine, I will tell you you can make it 10 times healthier with conservativewine.com. We need an alternative to everything. And that includes wine, conservativewine.com. Down in Argentina, they make this really dark red wine, um, very dark red from Malbec grapes grown at 9,000 feet in the Andes. They've been lab tested, and they found that they contain up to 10 times the levels of longevity and heart health nutrient called resveratrol. Um, If you took the <laughs> the vaccine jab, you're going to need uh, heart health, that's for sure. Um, it's powerful stuff. It pops up again and again in studies on longevity, heart health, and brain health. The wines also have 90% less sugar, fewer ke- chemicals, fewer additives. Um, plus, if you love a wine with steak and barbecue like I do, um, red wine is great um, to make red meat healthier. There's nothing like red ma- wine, red meat for your barbecue on July 4th. Um, They taste great with notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, and smoke. So go to conservativewine.com to get 50% off their best Malbecs. You also get 50% off shipping. It makes a great gift as well as a gift to yourself. Just visit conservativewine.com. That's conservativewine.com. Okay, so folks... As I mentioned, while the masking problem is not over, it's largely being transferred to the jab. And the more we find out that there are problems with the jab, the more they go ahead and shove it on us. And this is why I'm saying, do you really want to live in a civilization with people like this? Is this really reconcilable? I don't think it is. I really don't think it is, which is why we need a clean break. We need to push the independence as much as we can on this week of celebrating our independence. We need independence in as many parts of the country's, country as we can. This is truly sick stuff what is going on. This is from Health Impact News. We're going to go through some of these, some rapid fire news updates over the weekend. Some of you might have seen this, some of you not. We're now up to 6,113 deaths just reported on the Vera system, which is extremely, extremely underreporting. So few of these get reported in there, but it keeps rising. And it includes 576 abortions. I'm not kidding you. They actually write on the thing there's um, 576 abortions, okay? In other words, people had to have abortions because they had fetal problems. Again, I'm not judging on morally, uh getting the abortion or not. I'm just saying there were fetal problems. Remember, we had one of the greatest experts, Dr. Peter McCullough, last week I asked him point blank. Um, are there going to be fertility problems? And he says, he, he said he had it's a hard time seeing how they don't, if the lipids deposit themselves into the ovaries. We're talking about women largely in their 20s and 30s who are totally not at risk for the virus. There is a very striking analysis that came out. This is one of the most important news stories of the day. If you haven't seen it, you can go to MDPI is where this is published. Um, It was written by German and a couple other European uh, researchers. The safety of COVID-19 vaccinations, we should rethink the policy. And they come out with a very interesting paper. COVID-19 vaccines have had expedited reviews without sufficient safety data. We wanted to compare risks and benefits. We calculated the number needed to vaccinate. It's NNTV. It's a term from a large Israeli field study to prevent one death. We accessed the adverse drug reaction database of the European Medicines Agency and the Dutch National Register. So they're using European data. This is not the CDC viewers. And they found. Basically, just to put it in plain English. For every three deaths prevented by the vaccination, we have to accept two inflicted by the vaccination. And they conclude that the present assessment raises the question whether it would be necessary to rethink policies and use of COVID-19 vaccines more sparingly and with more discretion only in those that are willing to accept the risk because they feel more at risk from the true infection than the mock infection. Very, very scary. Currently, our estimates show that we have to accept four fatal and and 16 serious side effects per 100,000 vaccinations in order to save the lives of 2 to 11 individuals per 100,000. I guess they're cutting it even is the range is two to 11. They're cutting it easy at six live saves, but four lives lost and 16 serious side effects. And by the way, you're seeing a lot of these stories with the side effects. And, you know, these are often life altering things people are reporting. And a lot of them, when they, when I say report, I mean, online, it's not necessarily put in the VR system. So the point is, this is an underestimate. This is working with just the vaccine reporting the European equivalent of the veers. and then on the efficacy side, we're basically trusting Pfizer's own fox guarding the hen house on efficacy when we already know from just a macro analysis of country to country, state by state, there clearly is no 95% efficacy. But it's worse than that, folks. So as a baseline, that's pretty scary that you're trying to save three lives and you probably, let's say you do, but you lose two. From the vaccine, that in itself is like whoa, whoa! That is non-informed consent that was not put out to the public. Remember, just in the Veer system alone, we have more we have more adverse reactions than from thirty years worth of vaccines. And I don't want to hear this. Oh well, but but the denominator is greater. No, it's not. People don't realize. People think, oh, we've never gotten vaccines like we ha- got COVID. No, think about kids are vaccinated. I mean, nowadays they get like 30 of them within the first two years of their lives every single day. So there's tons of vaccines. Don't just compare it to the ones that are used more sparingly. And this is not okay. You have the Arkansas Republican governor, Asa Hutchinson, out there saying, cases are going up in Arkansas. You need to get vaccinated. And by the way, watch for this trend of, you know, basically the way the virus works is it's on again, off again. It alternates areas. So the area just hit, it's not going to hit again. It's going to hit another area, and then it will come back to it the second or third time. Now, it appeared that after the winter, we were done with it. But when I say done with it, It's going to keep every few months, you're going to have a dormant period and the area is going to be dead. No percolation, almost no percolation, but it's going to come back. The difference is it's when we say over with, we're over with with no areas under threat of even being stressed, even like flu levels, which we've never changed the country over over the flu. They're not even going to have that nor near that you'll have you could have a superficial uptick especially when you're when you test for it like we've tested no virus before you'll you'll find it so what they're going to do now is say look all the southern states with fewer um you know vaccinations they're having this problem assuming they're able to even say that but if that happens it's very obvious because In the late winter, early spring, you continue to have an uptick in the northeast and some of the northern midwestern states that are all very, very heavily into mass. And they had the lockdowns going on then. And they had much higher vaccination rates already then. And they were having the spread. But everyone ignored that. That was okay. So obviously, and and the, and the southern states were dead. It wouldn't surprise me if you have a period of two months, especially in the south. Now, last year, it already started much earlier. It started after Memorial Day in the South. But it wouldn't surprise me if it starts a little later, much, much milder, but you have a little bit of an uptick. It's going to keep doing that. The vaccines have nothing to do with it. Early treatment is the only solution. But anyway, this is a serious story. Because folks... This is the perspective I don't think anyone's going to give you if you hear this study, this German study today, that there's for every three deaths prevented, you create two out of the vaccine. That's talking about a static analysis of looking at the universe in a vacuum homogeneously. But here's the deal. The the, the vaccination rates are lopsided towards seniors And conversely, the overwhelming majority of those that are currently not injected with this poison skew much younger and very much obviously children. So this analysis of saving three lives per 100,000, that's factoring in the most vulnerable people, most of whom have already gotten it. So garbage in, garbage out. The cost is sunk already. If it works as well as it worked, so then those people, as they claim, so those people should be saved. If not, then certainly then their whole data is wrong, and there's a much greater risk uh, for everyone of getting jabbed than the virus. But the point is that cost is sunk. When you're talking about henceforth whether to continue promoting and even allowing and authorizing much as promoting and mandating the jab, it's clear that it's underwater. The cost-benefit analysis is underwater. It's not three to two. It would be much worse than that because you're not saving that many lives because the most vulnerable already got it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. They can't play it both ways. Like we said before, I did the math on that with children. Pfizer's own data says that every 330, you're going to have serious adverse events with children. It would take at least several million to save a life among children. So on the way to finding that one life you're going to save, you're going to incur a hell of a lot of deaths and, and just God knows what, Again, we don't even know what's happening. We don't even know what they're doing. The fertility issues. If this is what we're seeing as the smoke, could you imagine if we would have said in December, we have the vaccines about ready, within six months they're going to have more virus reporting than every vaccine put together for 30 years, it wouldn't have gotten off the ground. So now it's like, oh, that's just a the fears. There's, there's nothing. That's nothing. It's still, it's still a small relative denominator. There's nothing else. It's only this. And then we find out more. It's only this. And by the way, again, the children, this notion of children being at risk. There's a Canadian study we had a, a several that CDC had in America with a Canadian study of pediatric hospitalizations in Canada from their public health agency. Listen to this. Only 36.6% of pediatric patients hospitalized with COVID-19 were admitted due to an acute respiratory infection. Only 36% of the pediatric COVID hospitalizations had an acute respiratory infections. Well... The other 63%, if they didn't have an acute respiratory infection, how exactly is that COVID related? I mean, maybe you could say a few more blood clots, but that's the story. And then, of course, also, by the way, just, you know, we already knew this, but in the study of the children's infections in Canada, they found that 93% acquired their infections in the community, the source mainly being in the household, meaning the adults gave it to the kids. Um, Less than 6%, they believe, were acquired in schools. So again, that's another feather in the cap. This whole business of of obviously shutting the schools, but also people, you know, not seeing their grandparents for 15 months in that whole garbage business. My kids were around their grandparents the entire time. Unless there was a period where we specifically felt we we're sick with something. Um, and we wouldn't have traded it for anything. That was always the science that the, the Swiss government were the first to put that out. Uh, I wrote on, I wrote on that. Gosh, what are we? We're, we're late June. Now I wrote on that, what, April of last year? So one after another, we're seeing one lie after another exposed. One after another exposed. But here we have Governor Asa Hutchinson imploring people to get jabbed. The overwhelming... Majority of COVID patients in hospitals have not been vaccinated. These vaccines are effective, but we need more Arkansasans to to get the shot. And um, there you go. No concern about children. So at a time when we have the most concerns ever about a vaccine in the history of America... And we need voices to push back against it. You could count on the Republicans to harness the issue of our time. And step on the gas pedal for the other side. And score points for the other side. Put the ball in the other end zone. This is what we have. And they're almost all like that. It's an utter lie. This whole thing. But then we have an interesting point. The vaccines are so effective. You better get it. Oh, but then you'll need another one and risk more adverse reactions. This is from Reuters. WHO forecasts that people most vulnerable to COVID-19, such as the elderly, will need to get an annual vaccine booster to be protected against variants. The estimate is included in a report which is to be discussed on Thursday at a board meeting of Gavi, a vaccine alliance that co-leads the WHO's COVID-19 vaccine program. They also put out all the ads. Um, Gavi um, was caught putting out word ads on Google trashing ivermectin. So that's another point there. But anyway, high-risk people are going to need it. Now, think about it. If they're saying that you're going to need boosters for the variants, why is it just uh, high-risk? just like they're saying the first iteration. So again, they don't want to come out and say everyone's going to need it because then they'll look like fools. So like, hey, they're real vulnerable people. But I guarantee you, you accept this fascism come the fall. Everyone's going to need a third shot. There is no floor to the absurdity if we don't have a movement fighting it. And again, while we have made some progress, not as much as we want, in going after lockdowns and you know reforming uh public health powers and, uh, you know, the masking in a couple of states, Arkansas being one of them, where we have permanently banned mask mandates. Just remember that when it comes to that, when it comes to the vaccines, we really have almost nobody pushing back. Almost nobody is pushing back against it. Not an elected governor. They're all too scared. They're all all, a vaccine, vaccine. And every state health department is still promoting this up the wazoo. Even if you believe it should be available. And again, like I said, I am not against it. In the sense that I am very much pro, you know, right to try. But it has to be done with the right informed consent. I say, look, here's what it is here are the known problems, here are the unknown problems. So if you're really worried about COVID, you might want to take a look at it. That's a very different view than what we're seeing now. But all this was done for what? Look what we did to ourselves. This is why our civilization is gone. Why there's nothing even to protect A new paper from the U.S. National Bureau of Economic Research estimates an excess death of 890,000 Americans over the next 15 years due to unemployment. But then, what's worse than that? What's worse than that is the mental health. It's now come out that, where is this? I believe 7 in 10 pediatric hospitalizations in the UK have been mental health. Think about that. Think about what we're doing to an entire generation of children. And then there's you know, there's older, older children that, okay, maybe you can glide back to the way life was before. Maybe. If we allow them to. But there's a, an amazing article written by a freelance writer in um, the UK Metro. Fear, face masks, and failing immunity has COVID damaged our children forever. This woman, Lauren Crosby, she writes about infants and toddlers. And the growing amount of research emphasizing the vital importance of the first thousand days of a child's life. Okay, that's roughly, you know, three years in terms of cognitive, social, emotional, and physical development. A recent survey by Mumsnet, remember this is England, discovered that 70% of mothers are worried about children missing out on social skills. Um, They found that 9 out of 10 mums felt that lockdown was taking a big mental health toll on children and young people. Another report conducted by Best Beginnings, a UK charity that aims to reduce child health inequalities, revealed that 68% of parents felt that the changes from COVID affected their baby or toddler. Remember, they don't know anything else. They don't know anything else. Some mums have described how the lockdown anxiety they felt has appeared to manifest in their babies. Things like increased fear, fretfulness, and fussiness, difficulties in falling asleep, struggles with breastfeeding, or mothers giving up on breastfeeding earlier than usual, and certainly more intense and lengthy periods of separation anxiety. Babies learn through nonverbal cues. They follow... Closely, the voice patterns, tone, and intonations. They track eye movements and subtle changes in facial muscles. I'm telling you, folks, I see this on our baby who was born. She was born then. I mean, this was her life. She was born April 6th of the lockdowns, lived her whole life during it. Now, our family didn't subscribe to this, and we're around more people than other people that didn't. So she was able to have as much of a normal life as we can give her, but most people did not experience that. They bought into this. Parents are describing the distress at having to wear masks when out of the house, their babies cannot even see their mom or dad's own facial expressions, let alone those of strangers. It remains to be seen if the prolonged use of masks will make a difference, their acquisition of language, or the ability to confidently read the emotional reaction of the other. So... I mean, really thorough article. And then it goes on to also the 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 bubble boy dynamic physically. What are we doing to their immune system with all this isolation? So this is it's a very lengthy article. But again, if you want to read it, um, Lauren Crosby, UK Metro, Fear Face Mass and Failing Immunity. All for nothing. This is what we've done. And folks, I, I wanted to just mention something that to me is a very important observation that's true of everything with the COVID narrative. But it's true of crime and illegal immigration and many other issues. The public thinks what you tell them to think. The public cares about what you tell them to care about. What I found amazing is there's a new poll out that most Americans now believe the virus came from a lab. Whereas a year ago, it would have been uh, 10% of people. Because for whatever reason, the gatekeepers allowed that to come out. And I think that was a rope-a-dope because to take the pressure off of even greater problems, like I said, like uh, you know, at first, they're, they're agents of the Chinese, so they don't want to blame it on the Chinese. But if it's a choice between blaming it on the Chinese and themselves, they'll blame it on the Chinese. So now it's okay to say it came from a lab. Look at how quickly you could suddenly get people to believe the truth. You could change the narrative so quickly if we had every Republican governor, every Republican senator, every Republican talking head. Banging away at our narratives on mass and lockdowns and the vaccine fascism. And the true epidemiology of the virus and ivermectin and how to treat it. People would follow, not everyone, but enough. This is what Republicans do to us. By agreeing to the premise of everything the left pushes. There's so much potential. I just wanted to get that observation out. Another interesting poll. Not a scientific poll. So the the buffoons at CDC. Put out this poll over the weekend. Um, true or false. If you already had COVID. Do you still need to get the vaccine? And uh, the good news is a bunch of our guys bombed it. So the final result was 72% false. So of course, CDC is not going to promote that now. But again, where is the Republican Party in uprooting the premise? Uprooting the premise. They're nowhere. You know, um, Ted Cruz, along with Susan Collins and a couple other Republicans, introduced a resolution saying that it's time for vaccinated people to be allowed on planes without a mask. And I'm like, dude, it's not even a bill. It's a resolution. So if you're doing a resolution and you're in the minority and it's not going to go anywhere anyway, at least do it fully and express the full science. But instead, they accede to the premise. So you imagine this. You basically have CDC unilaterally violating every constitutional right of bodily integrity, doing the most draconian, officious thing ever done in American history, but not even being done through legislation. They do it illegally. And con- and, and the response from Republicans in Congress is not, you did what? Like a resolution. This is retroactively null and void. And, and having all the findings that we have in the lawsuits and having a whole hard-hitting thing. No, it's like... You know, it's kind of, uh, we don't need it anymore for those who are vaccinated. Classic. That's what Republicans will do. They'll take the most immoral, illegal, illogical, inhumane things the left does, and they'll put, like, a negligible benchmark, and even the benchmark indulges and codifies another security threat in it of of the jab. Come on. Come on, Ted. You're better than that. Ridiculous. So this is where we are with that. So they're transferring the fascism from the mask to the vaccine. But remember, as long as you keep in line the premise that I could shout pandemic even when it's no longer pandemic level. I could shout virus. And that means RSV. That means the flu means anything in a crowded theater, and suddenly you have no rights and we can do anything we want to you. They could always bring back the mask. And they will. There's signs of it already. That's what they're doing with the lie about Delta. You see it everywhere. Israel, the UK. And they're talking about that here. Again, don't count on there not being some sort of incline in some sort of cases in some states at some time in America. America. I don't think we're 100% over with just the proliferation of cases anywhere. You're going to have that for a while. And if you don't uproot the premise, if it's just like, we no longer need it, or we're vaccinated, well, they're going to take that. And they're doing that for the flu. That's why today I have out an article, make sure you pass it around, four reasons why... This whole masks defeated the flu thing is a lie. I go through the timing and the relevance of everything. So again, make sure you guys check that out. You can always find my articles on Blaze. You know, just um, I, I was going to say Google, but I'd say use uh, Brave or DuckDuckGo and search for my name in the Blaze, and you'll see the chronology of my articles. And you just click on my name. If you find one article, a lot of people say they have trouble finding it. You find one article, you just click on my name, and you'll see. The chronology, you know, from the latest to the um, oldest articles, you just scroll down and you'll find it there. But um, this is where we are, folks. I really think that, you know, we've reached a point. CDC will probably recommend that young males identify as females in order to get rid of the myocarditis problem. No, it's really a female. So there's no myocarditis. (laughs) See, this is the joke. So, if you have a male that says he's a woman and gets the jab, is he not at risk for myocarditis? What a freaking joke. So, anyway, that's the latest on some of the vaccine stuff, the COVID stuff. And we're going to have more, as we always do, throughout the week. By the way, one other thing I just forgot There's a CDC report about breakthrough infections, you know, hospitalizations of people who are already infected, already uh, injected. And I'm not kidding. You you see, of those 4,115 cases, 26% of hospitalizations were reported as asymptomatic or not related to COVID. How do you even write that? (laughs) There's this number of COVID hospitalizations and 26% weren't due to COVID. I mean... This is mentally ill, and it makes you wonder again. You know what percentage of the other ones weren't? It's science; it's all in the science. So that's with the COVID news today. Now, in the remaining time here, I did want to get back to crime. I meant to talk about this on Friday because I have a really good column out that I want you guys to see. It would be the second or third to most recent, depending on when you hear this. Republicans should trap Biden with legislation instituting tough sentencing on gun felons. Again, this is about Biden trying to co-opt the crime issue now that that he can't run away from it. And Republicans aren't pursuing him at a federal level, even though they don't have the power. And certainly at a state level, I have a list of a whole bunch of things that need to be done. Now, one of the points I want to mention is... Biden said something very interesting. He said states should use COVID funding to deal with this. Now, his dealing with it, obviously, is just you know a bunch of summer programs and employment opportunities. Invest in evidence-based community interventions and community policing and gun control. That, that's his plan. But there's nothing stopping Republican governors from using that funding to do the opposite for having crime and gang task forces to put behind bars, the people that they know belong there to put up a database. And this needs to happen, a searchable database of every criminal category. Um, and every disposition of the case, you know, both the pre trial bail arraignment and the sentencing by judge where people could search the cases because it's too hard for me to find enough. I mean, I find enough cases, but if people would know the amount of violent repeat offenders that get nothing, and the amount of people that are needlessly victimized, there would be a revolution in this country. The inf- the flow of information is so important. They need to have a commission for victims of crimes to audit all the ways violent criminals escape justice. Anti-gang legislation, obviously, is, is, need- is needed. But again, this searchable database, this is really, really important. It's an idea I had, I put in my piece, lots of good data in my article. Very long article, but it's worth the read here. Um, we talked about some of this stuff last week. But where are Republicans on this issue? Increasing the mandatories. Actually making the mandatories mandatory. The Supreme Court has raped Our ability to fight crime, just so you know. There's just another case last week where they drove a truck into the Armed Career Criminal Act. Again, these are people with three prior violent convictions. We hear all this talk that somehow there's people that just one nonviolent thing and they're in jail for life, prison for life. It's not true. It's you have repeat violent offenders that get nothing and come out and get nothing. Now, I want to read to you this story. Unbelievable story from, again, from Minnesota, but it happens everywhere. A convicted murderer, this is from the Star Tribune, Paul Walsh. A convicted murderer has been allowed to plead guilty to a drug offense in exchange for dismissal of a rape charge filed after he was accused of sexually assaulting a woman in a light rail station at the Mall of America five months ago. So watch for this case in a few months from now. It'd be like, oh, this is a nonviolent drug offender. He pled down to drug charges from a rape. I cannot tell you how often this happens. Kendall R. Jones, 40, of Minneapolis, admitted Wednesday in Hennepin County Court to a felony drug count while prosecutors agreed to drop a third-degree criminal sexual conduct charge. What's the agreement calls for a term of two and three-quarters years to be stayed during his five years of probation and no additional jail time. Jones was released from jail Wednesday ahead of formal sentencing scheduled for August 12th before Judge William Koch. Now, <clears throat> I want I want to note to you just again how all the levels th- there's built into the system that almost nobody even gets charged commensurate with the you know how much of a threat they are to society. Notice you know you know I, I thought they were going to say oh um you know eh, he admitted to drugs gets five years probation no jail time in lieu of first-degree rape. No, it's called third-degree criminal sexual conduct charge. Well, that sounds kind of like very nebulous. I don't know. Like, Did he like have an off-color comment to a woman or something? Prosecutors alleged that on January 21st, a woman went to a bathroom at the Mall of America rail station where Jones gave her methamphetamine and then demanded um, sex. She said no, but he pulled her onto the floor and raped her. An examination of the hospital revealed fresh bruises on her thighs, chest, and shoulder, according to the charges. I don't know, to me that sounds like first-degree rape. But again, even the charges were third-degree criminal sexual conduct. And it's pled down to a drug charge. But folks, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Two days before the alleged assault, Jones was released from jail without bail. Meaning, without having to post bail, after being charged with misdemeanors, accusing him of pushing his girlfriend to the ground at the 46th Street bus station at Interstate 35 West in Minneapolis and punching her. The case is pending. So he got this even while this violent proclivity, but I'm not done yet. In 2004, Jones was convicted in Louisiana of murder and rape and served 15 years in prison. The crime involved Jones and an accomplice being hired to kill a man, but when the intended target was not home, they killed his wife and raped her daughter. So, like, how, you might be asking, how is that not the death penalty? But he got 15 years. How do you even have a murderer and a rapist out to get the, but he had that in the past, got 15 years, and then, has this beating his girlfriend, then another rape, and he gets to play down to drugs and five years probation. And again, this is not an aberration. This is the rule, not the exception. And I want to note, not all of it is the fault of judges or prosecutors, sometimes increasingly it is, but often it's just the amount of ways we've allowed the criminal defense to gum up the works The evidentiary standards blow out anything our founders could have imagined. And the worst of the worst get off. And it feeds on itself. Which is why this is what Reagan saw. He was like, I don't care if it's just drugs or firearms. But if we know you are doing all this stuff and this is your fourth time... We'll just take you off the streets forever on the drug charge. Not even because we're so into the drugs. That was the point of it. But now that we're not doing that, you never get these guys. People don't realize, you know, again, this is another issue. I talked about Republicans jujitsuing the gun violence. Another issue is the violence against women. The amount of people who, first of all, the amount of rapists we catch is very low. But the amount of people that have a disposition to be violent against women, and that is a very incorrigible, habitual crime that that, that is not going to be cured. I am all for a Violence Against Women Act. Something very different than what the left pushes. I was just reading a case recently. I forgot how I found this. I, I mean, there's tons of this stuff. A 2016 case in Ohio. You had this guy Leroy Rogers, and man, he had a history in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, of just rape and murder. He, but, but again, like police, they the they knew he did it. He was a suspect, but he'd run away, and they never had full evidence. It was this is always a problem? Then finally, they got him in Dallas. I want to say 2003, 2004, they got the guy because he took a boyfriend and a girlfriend, you know, like 29, 19, 20 years old. And he tied up the guy and tried to set his car on fire. Somehow he escaped, but it was total, total attempted murder. And then he took the girl and brutally raped her. Then he shot her in the woods, but he he left her for dead. Somehow she wasn't dead and got up. Um, I mean, so again, this is the worst thing you can do to someone short of killing them. Shot shot her, raped her, right? And they they finally got him, plus the other attempted murder for the boyfriend. But what happened was, and again, I'm not blaming anyone here. I'm just saying this is a reality that happens, in a, particularly in rape cases. You need a witness, right? You need the victim. You need the testimony. And given what she was put through... She just couldn't go through weeks or months in court testifying and facing the guy. She just couldn't do it. And look, you know, you can't you can't judge that nineteen that year old girl. You know, what, what are you going to say? But what happened was so that this wasn't the prosecution's fault, and this happens a lot. Even if you have a good prosecutor, they had to accept a plea bargain. The guy got ten years. He was out immediately. What does he go back to doing? Attacking women and by the way, it was a black individual, particularly targeting white women. And, you know, there's a lot of that, but whatever. And he killed and raped two women in Ohio. Now you think, all right, Daniel, now we for sure got the guy. You know what? He didn't get the death penalty. He got, I believe, he got two life sentences, but he was eligible for parole after 61 years. Now, at the time of the conviction, he was 59. So it was de facto life. But what I'm saying is that even then, it is shocking. The worst, what percentage of the worst of the worst of the worst that anyone's definition of career violent, incorrigible criminal, they don't get punished, commensurate with what they've done. With what we've even caught. Usually they've done a lot more. And yet these. Loser. Maggot. Phony. Fagged up Republicans. Want to sit and say. Hey gang. It's your over incarceration problem. I've had to deal with this my entire career. Stupid phony. Phony conservatives. A heritage foundation. They're all bought into that. So there needs to be. An entire overhaul of what of of how we look out for victims. Unbelievable. We need, you know, there's talk about Republicans joining on to Biden's trillion-dollar infrastructure. And again, I know infrastructure always sounds good, but that will be another just complete handout to all of their activists, and political operatives special interests in every major city. That's all it's going to do. Mass transit. It's not going to be what you think it is. But Republicans are buying into it. I'm thinking, you want an infrastructure pro- uh, uh, you know, idea? I have one. Build more prisons. That's infrastructure. Load them up. Yes, had we maintained our deterrent from 10 years ago, we could have coasted. But now that we've lost it like this, you're going to have to lock up a hell of a lot of people. It's either that or you're going to have a lot of dead Americans. It's that simple. It's that simple. And there's tons of this. Another story of... There's a whole bunch of New York stories I might write about. A guy who was convicted of attempted murder in 2015... Sentenced to three to five years in prison. Of course, he gets at it after two and a half. Attempted murder. Two and a half years. Attempted murder. And he was released on parole. And now almost shot two more kids in a gang shooting. Daniel, there's too many non-violent. Low-level first-time (laughs) offenders. Again, you laugh. To you, this might be obvious, but to 99% of the numbskull, phony, conservative, thumbsucker writers, advocates, talking rear ends and whatever you have, think tank people, they all buy into this. And in fact, I, I will tell you, there are publications, you'd be shocked, would not run any columns from people that raise questions about the federal jail jailbreak bill. My buddy Todd Bensman wrote about national security threats being let go and um. He was like, man, Daniel, this was my first column that was spiked. I said, oh, I'll tell you why it was spiked. I mean, I know Republicans don't care about victims of crime. We we got that message. But if they actually want to win an election, they're stupid. Because this is the issue. Burglaries are up 753% in San Francisco. 753%. Again, if if we're only you know, locking up rapists and attempted murderers for two years, you can imagine burglars. And again, I'm not saying you should, a burglar should get life in prison, but, you know, if you don't punish it at all, then, you I mean, you you can't live. You don't have a society. And yes, if he's a repeat offender, you want to say, okay, you give a burglar 18 months, two years, whatever it is, but if he does it again, he should get 25 years. You got your second chance there. It's not about policing. It's not, certainly not about funding for policing. It's about locking up the bad guys. It's that simple. Would be cop killer who shot an officer arrested for the fifth time since 2019. Um,. 27-year-old man who was convicted of non-fatally shooting a Rochester police officer when he was only 14 has been arrested a fifth time. This time it's domestic violence. Um, And prosecutors say that the domestic violence incident and Kurt Rivera was already bound by a protection order from the courts to stay away from the victim. And... Basically, he was caught beating up his girlfriend or formal, former girlfriend. Again, this is, this is a big problem. The protective orders are not abided by. He was released on parole in 2016, violated his parole in February 2017, remained in prison until his sentence expired February 2019. Since his release, he has had up to five arrests. Never ends. I'm never going to stop talking about this until other people catch on. It's not about funding levels for the police. You could fund the police all you want. It doesn't matter. We've reached the point where it doesn't. See, it used to matter because, holy heck, now the police are going to catch me. If I get caught, I'm screwed. Now they know they're out the next day, pending a trial three years later, of which... The worst, the, the only question is how much probation time on a phony monitor, or sometimes not, they'll get. So what do they care? They say it straight up. New York Post has had a bunch of articles on this where they've quoted some of these guys arrested. They, they, they fully get it. Understand, like, if you're in a certain area of finance, you're going to know Sarbanes-Oxley. You're going to know, you know, the SEC rules, right? If you're into criminality, you're going to understand better than the general population you know, we think they're a bunch of potheads. They don't know anything. They just kind of do things, you know, just out of control. Some of them are out of control, but they also do know where their bread is buttered. It is shocking how we don't have a massive onslaught for better sentencing. What could we do for victims of crime? How could we make it easier for them to go through the court experience? That's a whole other thing. Instead, you have Republicans, conservatives signing on to legislation, uh, dealing with oh, the you know, criminals need better representation. What about rape victims? What about victims of crime? No, they don't they don't matter. They don't matter. That's your Republican Party for you. Anyway, folks, we've gone over time, but I have so much to get off my chest. From the weekend, as always. Um, again, you know, if you ever, if you don't see this show on iTunes, if there's a problem, if we're censored, go to the Blaze. Um, we're also on Google and Stitcher. Give us a five star uh, rating at iTunes if you can. Until tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.